want to thank everyone that's here tonight and those that are watching via Facebook Live. We are going to continue, of course, on mind-brain connections. Go figure, right? Right. And this is lesson 129. And what I want to do tonight is minister. Some of you heard this because you were in Norwalk, Ohio with us a couple of months ago when we were in Utica and then went down to Norwalk and ministered at Dave and Tammy's place. And so I'm going to, I've added some to it, but I'm going to reteach that because I like to get it on the Facebook Live as the Mind Brain Connection series. And last week, if you recall, we dealt with Noah and the ark, and I shared with you how that Noah's name means rest, and how that the flood represents a flood, allegorically, it represents a flood of the water of the word that comes into us, into our awareness, that swallows up anything that would try to ensue from the left side, any lower thoughts. And I applied that to the five levels of consciousness that the Greeks embraced, which was earth, earthly thoughts, carnal thoughts, water, the water of the word, the air of taking a thought, the fire that conceives that word and quickens that word within us, which then the result is the mind of Christ. We're fully and completely then living out of the Christ mind. Now, I believe that the people that were involved besides Noah and his family, the eight that entered into the ark, and of course the ark represents consciousness. It's the raising of our consciousness through the earth, receiving the water, the air, taking no thought, and so forth. But I looked at the people that were destroyed or that drowned in that particular flood, and you know, the scripture says there in Genesis chapter 6 that the earth was filled with wickedness. And evil. And so what would those people represent allegorically but the lower thoughts, the thoughts that would tempt us. Now the thoughts, the lower thoughts can only come through the left side. As we said all the way through this series, nothing wrong with the left side, nothing wrong with intellect, nothing wrong with reasoning, nothing wrong with logic. But when they're operating in and of themselves as mere intellect or merely human reasoning or natural logic, then they must be yielded. We must pay our tithe, right? Yield our tithe, bring our tithe, the 10% of that side that we use, and we yield that to the Christ mind of the right side. In other words, the two are joined together. Now, intellect is still working then when the two are joined together, but it's spiritual intellect. It's not human reasoning. It's the reasoning that Isaiah talked about when he said, Come, let us reason together. It's a spiritual reasoning. And the logic is also derived from the joining of the right side, the masculine and the feminine together. So what I want to do tonight now is incorporate this into what I minister over at Norwalk, Ohio. And if you have your Bibles or devices, I'm going to be reading, if you want to follow along, from Matthew chapter 3 and verse 10. And this is really the first parable in the New Testament. And it was a parable not given by Jesus, but it was a parable given by John the Baptist. Remember, he was baptizing some of Jerusalem and Judea. And the Sadducees and the Pharisees came, and they wanted to be baptized as well. And John looked at them, and he said, Who was it that warned you to flee the wrath to come? What he was talking about was that which was spoken concerning Titus and the Roman soldiers coming in and destroying the temple and plundering the city of Jerusalem. So he asked them, who, who warned you? Do you want to get baptized in water just because you were warned to flee? Because there's going to come this cataclysmic destruction? And so what he told them in verse 8, he said, in so many words, I'm going to paraphrase, I'll not baptize you. And this was a water baptism, but it's pointing to something greater allegorically. He said, I'll not baptize you, in so many words, until you bring forth fruits meet for repentance, and until you lose the pride of saying that Abraham was your father. They had a lot of concepts that they turned into religiosity. It was a pride thing concerning Abraham, their father. And he said, unless you can bring forth fruits meet for repentance, by laying the axe to the root of all your false ideas and concepts and all of your religiosity, you'll not be baptized. Now, this is what I believe I hear John the Baptist saying. When he says you must bring forth fruits meet for repentance by laying the axe to the root, what he was saying is 
There is something, this is what I hear, there is something greater than being baptized in literal water. Because you can be baptized in literal water and still come out the same carnal person that you went under the water with or as, you see. And so, you know, I connect that also to Hebrews chapter 6 where the writer of the book of Hebrews said, we must leave the principles of the doctrines of Christ and come into perfection or maturity by leaving those that are listed there in Hebrews chapter 6. And, of course, one of them was baptisms. Now, why was it plural? Well, because there's different ways of baptism. And we have people today that still believe if you're not baptized in Jesus' name, it's not valid. Or if you're not baptized in the name of the Lord, it's not a valid baptism. Or if you're not baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, it's not valid. So to me, the reason he made plural baptisms was because there were all different kinds of ways that the people of their day, and today yet, baptized people. So what I hear John saying is there's a greater, a much greater baptism that is way more important than getting dunked in the water. Now, I believe in, you know, people getting baptized in water, not throwing that out the window, but I believe there comes a time when we move on, as he said in Hebrews chapter 6, from the basic elementary ABCs, And come into the baptism that has to do with us, like the Greek says, earth and then water. The greater baptism is taking the carnal earthly thoughts, baptizing them in the water of the spirit of the word, and then moving on to the level of the air where you take no thought of the lower or of the things on the left side that would try to tempt you to draw from the left side, from the lower carnal thoughts. So let me read here with that in mind. Here in Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 10. It says, and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Now, we're trees, right? And what are the leaves? The leaves could either be the thoughts that we draw by casting our net to the right side, our energy to the right side, or the leaves could be leaves that we draw when we draw from the left side in and of itself when we don't yield that left side, the lower thoughts, the carnal thoughts, and so forth. So he laid the, he told them also, the axe is laid to the root of the trees, therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So John was simply saying that if any one of these religious people could not get out of their temptation of being drawn from the left side in and of itself, or drawing from the lower thoughts, if they could not deny, if they could not contradict their own religious thinking of mere intellect, human reasoning, and natural logic, then he was not going to baptize them in water. Because, you see, what were they doing? See, if he would have baptized them in water, they would have been adding to their tradition. They'd have been adding to their religious thoughts, you see. So this baptism that I hear John speaking of as I read this, this baptism in an allegorical sense, what he was saying, he was putting the priority in the right order by saying you can do all of that, but if you don't do this first, if there's not a priority, as I said, you could get baptized 150,000 times and it'll do you no good if you haven't had the baptism of the earthly thoughts in the flood of the water of the word, the spirit of the word. Now, we have used the five levels of consciousness a lot around here in this series of, again, the earth, the water, the air, the fire, and the Christ mind. And so by John telling these people what he told them here in chapter 3, verse 10, he was simply telling them they need to create a vacuum when they're tempted by the lower thoughts. They need to yield... They need to repent, draw your thoughts from what? The other side. That's really what he was saying there. So in other words, John was saying that they needed to have this flood of the washing of the water of the word that Ephesians talks about. They need to have that between their ears, and unless they do, the water baptism is just a ritual. It's just a ritual, and it will not avail to anything at all. 
Now, let's look at the axe and some things here. Look at verse 10 again. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down. What's hewn down? The thoughts, the thoughts yeah. that try to ensue and come through Amen. our feminine part. Amen. Okay? Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Well, what is the fire? The fire of the word. Scripture yes. says God is a fire. The word is a fire. Yes. So the axe here in Matthew 3.10, and you can also find this in Luke chapter 3 and verse 9. This axe here is in the Greek number 513. It means to break. To break. To break. It leads to another number, 4486, meaning a fragmentation. Something torn, it means a fall. Something has to fall. It means ruin. It means to break, to wreck, or to crack. Specifically, to sunder by separation of the parts. It then leads to number 2352, meaning a shattering to minute fragments, to break up, to destroy, to dissolve, to unloose, to melt, and to put off. That's the word axe. That's all that the word axe means. When I see the word melt, I think of the scripture in Psalms that says, He utters his voice, and the earth, the earthly realm, it melts. Those thoughts melt. Now, the word root, root now, we found out what axe means, but the word root, like laying the axe to the root, is 4491 in Greek. Listen to what it means, to become stable. <laughs> to become stable. When you lay the axe to the root, not just cutting down a tree, he wasn't talking about when he told them, you know, to bring forth, forth fruit, uh, fruits meat for repentance by laying the axe to the root. He was not talking about going out and cutting down a tree and then digging out the roots. He wasn't talking about anything literal in that sense, but he was speaking about something allegorically. That's what he was speaking of. So root means to become stable. Because why? Why does it mean to become stable? Well, simply because religion and the thoughts of the left side are unstable. Yes. So you see, these religious people, these Sadducees and Pharisees that came to John's baptism, they wanted to be baptized in water. And he's telling them, that's not going to do you a whole lot of good. You're just going to add another one to your right. resume of lower earthly carnal thoughts. Yeah. He said, what you have to do is you have to change your thinking. And you see, the whole point was that you can be baptized. And this was John the Baptist's point in saying these things. You can be baptized a million times in literal water, but unless you had the spiritual baptism of the word sending a flood, a tsunami, from the right side, swallowing up all the lower thoughts of the left side, you haven't really experienced the true baptism. Amen. That's right. Amen. So this is what John the Baptist is saying to these people. I could baptize you in water, but I'm not going to do it. Because you're going to think you're okay now because I've been baptized in this ritual called water baptism. Right. And how many people do we know today that are just that way? The whole thing is about baptism. If I can just get dunked, if I can just get dunked in literal water, and some sprinkle and some immerse, and you know, people have different ways of doing that. But you see, they put that as a priority within their life, and now they've been baptized in water. I'm just fine and okay. Now, back to the root, back to the root, which means to become stable. When the axe is laid to the root, one becomes spiritually stable. Listen, by cutting off, they're drawing from the lower thoughts that tempt them on their left side. Amen. See, and the same is true in the natural. When you cut down a tree, listen, if you don't dig up the roots, what's going to happen? It's going to grow again. But when you lay the axe to the root, the tree, see, as in the natural, so in the spiritual, the tree is not going to grow for the most part. And so that's why John is saying you'll become stable if you'll bring forth fruits, true fruit that remains, unto repentance by drawing your thoughts from the realm of spirit on the right side, by laying the axe clear to the root, not just some of the 
thoughts that you previously have had, but you must lay the axe completely to the root so those thoughts cannot grow again. And then you'll be stable. Now listen to this. John the Baptist, we know, the scripture says, was the forerunner of Jesus. Can you hear anything in that? So he's telling these religious people that they have the ability to do something even before Jesus went to the cross. Amen. Hello. Hello. Which really confirms to us that Jesus didn't go to the cross to give us life. It says that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And have means to conceive and to hold it. Amen. Or to come to know something that we have always really known. Amen. But forgot once we embraced religiosity. Yeah. Yeah. So we come to the understanding that Jesus' death did not give us an exchange of life. But it showed us that we always had that Christ Amen. life. Amen. It didn't come to destroy. In fact, go to 1 John 3, 8. I want you to look at this as I read it. Hang on to Matthew 3. 1 John 3, 8. Jesus did not come to destroy death. He came to reveal it never had any power. Yeah. We did not have to have an exchange of life from a sinner's life or a sinful nature. And now we get a new nature when we accept Jesus as our Savior and he jumps in. Listen, what does that speak of? And we all believe this at one time. And we probably all came that way. And that's okay. I'm not putting that down. But now we know better. If you say you have to walk the green mile and confess your sin and accept Jesus into your heart, then that shows that you believed in separation. Well, come on. And we were never separate. Right. Come on, Kate. We were never separate. Yep. And he didn't destroy something, but what he did, he did destroy something here between our ears. Yes, he did. Look what it says in 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy our acts, or lay the acts yep. to the root Amen. of the works of the devil. Yep. So what is the devil here? Accusing thoughts. Yep. Religious thoughts, earthly thoughts, carnal thoughts, lower thoughts. Yep. Remember, Jesus said he came to what? Seek and save that yeah, which was lost. Yeah. And then the one that I really like, since Jesus' death exposed and absorbed all of the lies of religion that we embraced, his resurrection, what did his resurrection do? It revealed yeah. who we had always been from before the foundation of the world. Mm -hmm. But we embraced religion when we... It was preached to us or ministered to us from our church or parents or grandparents or the school or just the system. We embraced religiosity and we believed the lie as Colossians 1.21 says we were alienated to enemies in our mind, only in our mind. Yeah. And so the resurrection, I love the meaning of resurrection. I know you already know this, but resurrection means to arise where? Between our ears, right. in our awareness. Yeah. It means to gather our faculties. Mm -hmm. In other words, bring the right and the left, the masculine and the feminine, into a subjective joining and oneness. That's what it means. And it also means, resurrection also means the discovery of spiritual truth. Amen. Remember when I used to say, well, the Wright brothers never invented the law of lift or the law of aerodynamics. They discovered it. If the truth is really the truth, it's the eternal truth, and it's always been the truth. And that's one of the greatest revelations we can receive, to realize the truth has always been the truth. I'm not ministering anything new to you. Amen. It's not new. It may be fresh to our yes. understanding, yes. but it always was. Yes. It's always been the eternal truth. Yes. Yep. Yep. Now, look at Revelation chapter 22, if you will, verses 1 and 2. As we are baptized from earthly thinking through the spirit of the word or the water of the word, then we are partaking of, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but we are partaking of the tree of life. Mm -hmm. And that's what it says here in Revelation chapter 22, 1 and 2. Partaking of the tree of life is not for after you get to some planet called heaven. Yeah. It's not about after you die. It's not after some so-called rapture of the church. It's for the lovely here and now. Amen. Now is Amen. the day of salvation. Today is the day. Yep. Not tomorrow. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we have a lot of people that are religiously, spiritually ill today because they're 
putting everything off to yes. someday when I die, yes. or when the rapture yes. takes place, yes. or the pie in the sky, or whatever. Yes. And so, what does that do? That's one of the biggest lies that has ever been perpetrated in the church and in the world today, is that we have to wait. Right. Why would we be having everything? Why, why would we be blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies? Why would he have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness here on this earth if we have to wait for it? Yeah. That's like you going to the car dealership and buying a car and making payments, and they say, as soon as every payment is made, you get the car. Yeah. Right. I don't think so. No. We're putting payments down on the house. Monthly payments, making your monthly payments every month. And they tell you, you can have the house, but not until after you make the last payment. Mm -hmm. Then you can have it, then you can experience it, then you can move in. Yeah. Well, no, we've moved in already. Amen. Lock, stock, and barrel. And he's moved in us. Amen. There's no separation, and there has right. never been any separation. Right. Now, look at Revelation 22, 1 and 2. And he showed me a pure river of water, clear as crystal. Do you know that you have thousands of crystals in your brain? Absolutely. Yep. Our whole body is loaded with crystals. He showed me a pure river of water, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded, notice, her. Amen. Yielded her. Yeah. What's the her of us? Well, it's the feminine principle of the left side. Again, nothing wrong with it because there's a place in there yeah. that I call the virgin consciousness that has never been touched by man or never been touched by religiosity. Yeah. You, but you still have to yield. And why? Because that's the avenue that the lower thoughts are going to come through. Yeah. If you're going to have any lower thoughts, earthly carnal thoughts, thoughts of negativity, it's going to tempt the woman. Just like Eve, it's going to tempt the right side. Yeah. And then it talks about the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. What is that? That's the truth that's on our right side, that we minister out to people. Now, the leaves can also, remember, in life there's always a masculine and feminine. In life there's always a negative and a positive. Mm -hmm. There's the serpent that talks about what? The lower thoughts. But then it tells us we're to be wise as a serpent. Yeah. See, we can see in life negative and positive, male and female, in everything in life. Electricity has a male and female, positive and, and negative. In Isaiah, it talks about, I form the light and create the darkness. That's an antithesis. What is that? Well, let me just give you an example. If I have an electrical problem in my house and I try to fix it myself, I'll probably end up burning down the house. <laughs> the smart thing to do is call the electrician and let the electrician come and handle it, you see. So there's left and right, male and female, negative and positive in everything in life. So what is this saying here? This is showing us that what goes on in our awareness or the left side concerning the lower thoughts or what goes on on the right side as we cast our energy to the right side or cast our net to the right side, what goes on when we draw those thoughts from the Christ mind of the right side. So we can either have leaves on our tree that we are, that's for the healing of the nations, or we can have leaves that can be discouraging leaves or leaves of negativity, leaves of religiosity. Now, I'm not going to have you turn there, but in Psalm 104, verse 16, it says, The trees of the Lord, that's us, are full of sap. Notice it doesn't say we're saps. It says full of sap. What is that? Life-giving substance. Life-giving substance. The sap is what produces the buds and the blossoms. And we, from the right side, then bear the fruit that remains. As we consistently begin to draw from the right side, we will bear or we will yield fruit that remains. Amen. Now, Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 3. Go there if you, if you want to follow along. Isaiah 61 and verse 3, still talking about the trees that we are. We are trees of righteousness. We can have leaves that bring about the healing of the nations, imaginations, yeah. or we can have vain imaginations on the yes. left side. Yes. Remember when we taught in the book of uh, Jeremiah, what was it, chapter 18, 
The word potter, we've always referred to some god that's separate from us, up in the sky, some sky deity. But the word potter is also the word imagination, and it means to form a resolution. So if we have a problem, we can sow the right seeds into our imagination from the right side to the left side. That's the potter forming a resolution for any situation that we have in our life that is not of God. So we're very powerful. We're very powerful. The mind of Christ in operation is very powerful. But you see, we have to participate with that. As it says in Philippians, it says that, you know, it's God that causes us to do and will of his good pleasure. So what we do on the right side, that's he, that's him doing it. It's the same as our Father doing it. It's the same as Christ doing it. But if we don't participate, then Christ is just going to be there in our life and just be not a whole lot of fruit is going to be coming forth. Now, here in Isaiah 61.3, it says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. When would you mourn in Zion? When you're living from the left side. That brings a lot of mourning. Brings a lot of corruption. Brings a lot of hurt, bitterness. Right? To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment. What's the garment? The right side. You slip into the Christ mind, slip into the garment of praise, the garment of praise, for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness. Notice they might be called, that's, we're trees of righteousness. The planting, that we would be called trees of righteousness, the planting from the right side to the left side, the planting of the Lord. See, we're planting him from our right side into our left side that he might be glorified as us. So notice now on the left side, as we look at these two verses in Isaiah chapter 61, when you draw from the left side in and of itself, and you have those lower carnal thoughts, that's associated with mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, ashes, and spirit of heaviness. But when we draw from our right side... Joining the left unto the right or the right unto the left, what does it do? It brings about beauty. It brings about the all of joy. It brings about the garment of praise. Why? That we might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. It's his planting, but our participation with it, that he might be glorified. That he might be glorified. Let me give you another one. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. I could just rush through these, but I, I want us to look at them tonight. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Most of us probably know this pretty much by heart, but Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That's all left-sided activity. Yeah. All left-sided activity. But, I like the buts. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, right side. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, you know, I have people that send me messages constantly asking me questions about meditation. They want to know how I meditate. And it's on Facebook. You know, they send these questions or private Facebook. And they want to know if I use guided, you know, music or just how I do it or do I pick a scripture and sit down and decide to meditate on that I do none of that and I hope to do a message maybe in the next couple of weeks on meditation and I want to share some things about meditation a lot of people have to have music or they can't meditate a lot of people do guided meditation a lot of people will pick a scripture and meditate. That's not true meditation. Now, you can do that, and, you know, it can get you maybe accustomed to meditation. So I'm not saying it's wrong, but I understand a way of meditation that is just like this baptism. There's a better baptism. I understand a, a more pure meditation. And I want to share that with you. But look what it says here. In his law does he meditate day and night. Sounds like he's meditating 24-7, right? Day and night? And then verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. 
His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So all of this that we read here in verses 2 and 3 have to do with us bringing forth fruit, meet for repentance by drawing our thoughts out of the realm of spirit, the Christ mind, or the right side. It has to do with laying the axe to the root, not just cutting down the tree. How many know you can forget about some of the doctrines and traditions that you were taught that were not yes. the truth? Yes. But it's a whole nother different story to dig out the root. Amen. And I believe the way we, here's how I believe we dig out the root. Never said this before. The way we dig out the root is when we draw from the right side consistently. Yeah. When we draw the truth from the right side Amen. consistently, one by one, those roots are going to be dug out. Yeah. But we have to replace, you know, this is what Jeremiah talked about. You know, he talked about people who are always deconstructing. And that's okay. We've all deconstructed from some stuff. But the way he explained it was while we're constructing, yes. that's when the deconstruction is going on. I don't just like deconstruction. I want the truth to be brought Amen. forth Amen. that will automatically and naturally deconstruct some of the... Yeah faulty ideas that I got out of religion. Amen. Now, a beautiful picture, if you go to 2 Kings chapter 6, a beautiful picture that I see here in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and it's talking about the floating axe head. The floating axe head. When I ministered this over Norwalk, Carol Messing came up to me and she said, I have never heard the floating axe head uh, the floating axe taught that way. Well, I had neither until I meditated on these verses of Scripture. So look what it says there, starting with verse 1 in 2 Kings chapter 6. Notice it begins, and the sons of the prophets. Now, let me just tell you who the sons of the prophets are. It's our left side. But now listen, it's our left side, but now I'm not introducing negative thoughts at this point that come through the left side. Wow. It's just the left side. It's just the feminine principle. It's us. It's us. And the sons of the prophets. It's us. Said to Elisha, our Christ, our right side, our masculine part, and we say this all the time, and notice what we're saying to our right side, to our Christ. We're saying Behold now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Wow. In other words, it's too small of a place. Up, Have you ever said to your right side, you're Christ? I want to experience more. Amen. I want to move on. Amen. I'm not just satisfied with this. Come on. Because listen, we're, we're always moving. Always. Oh, we should be. Should be. Always moving. But I believe we here have a heart and a mind to move. Yes. I don't think we'll ever be finished learning. Amen. It's eternal truth. How could yeah. we ever come to a point, you know, like, this is my journey. Well, a journey insinuates that I'm trying to get to a certain point, and then I'll stop, and it'll all be over, and I'll just be floating around or whatever. Verse 2, verse 2. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan. Now, what is Jordan? Jordan means, and this was right before they got into the promised land, Jordan means death. It sure does. And to us, when we have the carnal, lower, earthly thoughts swallowed up, that's a form of death. Yes. And especially when we let go of all that religious stuff yep. that we've been taught over the yep. years. Yep. That's a form of death. Amen. Now, I don't say we have to crucify ourselves. No, because we're not crucifying Christ. No. Right. Not crucifying who we are. Right. But there is a form of death that goes on as we yield, as we give our tithe, that 10%, as we yield the left side, the lower thoughts, so let us go unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he, that's Christ in us, our right side, answered, go. Go ye, of course. That's what I want you to do. That's the whole purpose. Wow. So Christ in us, as us, will always tell us to come up hither. Amen. Just like he did John in the book of Revelation, to come up higher. Amen. 
an experience, subjective experience. Now, we have it all, and we are all of it, objectively, but don't we want to walk in what yes. is objectively true of us? We Amen. want to walk in that subjectively. Amen. Okay? So notice he says, and this is what our right side is telling us when we say, I'm not satisfied, I want to move on and experience more. He says, go ye. And again, as I said, Jordan means death. And they crossed the Jordan before they entered into the promised land. Now, when they came into the promised land, they found some ice there. Uh-oh. Yes, ice. Have you ever had any ice in your life? Oh, yeah. Ice can only manifest through the left side when we're participating with the left side. And allowing the left side to have its way. Verse 3, and one said, Be content, I pray thee, go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So in other words, Elisha, or the Christ in us, as us, leads us into this greater, out of the straight way and into a greater way, into a greater subjective experience. See? So the Christ is telling us, yes, I'll go with you. Of course Christ goes with us, because that's who we be. Right. Christ is not going to say, no, you go ahead, and I'm not going to be back here to strengthen you or encourage you. No, he's always there going with us. Okay? Verse 4, so he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. So in other words, when they came to the place of yielding any lower thoughts that were tempting them, they were cutting down wood, which denotes human thoughts. Wood denotes humanity. Okay, so they were cutting down, they came to Jordan and they cut down wood, they cut down all of their intellectualism, all of their human reasoning, and all of their natural logic that they were operating in at that time. And so they cut that down, and what I could say to that is, it is Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus in us, revealing truth to us, Exposing the lies we've embraced, but in the resurrection, revealing the truth to us. So what is this doing? When you cut down word, wood, you're operating in the principles or the truths of what is death did and what is resurrection did. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Verse 5. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head. Now, let me just stop and say this. An axe head normally is made of iron. Iron can be the negative lower thoughts, carnal thoughts. Iron, on the other hand, because remember I said there's principle of negative and positive, right side and left side. Iron, where the scripture says that iron sharpeneth iron, and it's talking about people. That's what it was talking about previously when we talked about the trees are for, or the leaves are for the healing of the nations. See, that iron is, iron is the lower thoughts, but iron can be the higher thoughts. Okay? So, it says there in verse 5, But as one was filling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So here, the axe head represents the lower thoughts that need to be baptized. So as the axe fell into the water, there was a Allegorically, a baptism, the iron representing the lower thought. So as the axe fell into the water, it allegorically speaks of the earthly thoughts being baptized in the water of the word. And notice what it says there, alas, master, for it was borrowed. How many know our life is not our own to live from the left side in and of itself? Say it again. Our life is not our own. There's only one life, and it's the Christ life. Our life is not our own. It's his life as us. Primarily, it's his his life as us. And so, therefore, that life was not given to us to live carnally, but it was given to us to draw from the Christ that we are. Amen. Amen. Now, let's read on, because this gets better and better. Verse 6. Verse 6. And he's asking a question for us to ask ourselves. And the man of God, Elisha, said, where did it fall? Well, where fell it? And he showed him the place, and listen, and he cut down a stick and he cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. In other words, there was a resurrection 
the iron being the lower thoughts. There was a resurrection that took place from the lower thoughts that had come and filtered through the left side, our woman's side, or feminine part, and it was resurrected up and became one then as it was yielded to the Christ mind, to the right side. That's really what that's talking about. Cast it in the And the iron did swim. There was a resurrection of the left side or the lower thoughts, and it was joined to the thoughts of the right side. And again, that's exactly what resurrection means, to gather yeah. our faculties yeah. and cause them to be made one in the Christ mind. Verse 7, therefore, said he, take it up. Yeah. Sounds like something is lifted up from the water and lifted up. What, what is that whenever you're baptized? Let's, let's go back to literal baptism in water. When you're dunked, you're immersed, and you're lifted up. What do they say that's symbolic of? The resurrection. Yeah. See, you're rising. Therefore, verse 7, said he, take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. So Elisha, or Christ as us, is telling us to take it unto ourselves. Take the right-sided Christ mind and realm of spirit unto yourself by yielding the left side and joining the right side with the left side. Amen. Now this is the baptism. This, I'm convinced this is the baptism that John was talking yes. about to the Sadducees and the Pharisees when they came and they wanted to be baptized by John the Baptist. He was saying, in so many words, I'm not going to do it until you can bring forth fruits unto repentance by drawing. Repentance means what? To draw from the realm of spirit. Draw your thoughts from the realm of spirit. Repentance has nothing to do with crying about all your sin you've committed. That's the way it was taught in the church I was raised in. So-and-so is repenting. What did they do? They went to the preacher and they confessed all their sin that they could think of. That's not repentance. Repentance never has to do with sin in scripture, but it has to do with thinking differently, drawing our thoughts from the right side or the realm of spirit. Amen. So, so this is what John was talking about. What we read about here in 2 Kings is exactly the allegorical reality of what John the Baptist was telling the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You've got to bring those lower thoughts and have them baptized in the Christ mind. You've got to repent and bring forth fruit, meat for repentance by laying the axe to the root. And you need to continually draw from the right side to dig out all the roots. Isn't that good? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, or so will his experience be. So listen, go if you will to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3. All of the biological, genetical, religious, and environmental roots of the lower awareness is being cut off at the very roots in Christ as we participate it's not going to happen if we don't participate. As we participate with what we have been blessed with concerning the right side. Amen. There has to be the joining of the masculine principle and the feminine principle. Remember Jesus said, call no man on earth your father. You have one father. Yeah. Yeah. And to really realize that and coming to that subjectively in our walk to where we're walking the one life of Christ... There must be a participation. And listen, the church is not taught this. The religious church, let me say that right. The, some in the church are, but the religious church are not taught this. They're not taught what to think or what not to think. Just go through the rituals of confessing Jesus as Savior, walk the green mile, then get baptized in water, and that's about as far as it goes. We're just waiting for the glory train, waiting for the so-called rapture, or waiting to croak and go to heaven and be in our mansion. Even the scripture that says in my father's house are many mansions. How can you put a mansion in a house? Think about that. <laughs> what is that talking about? We're the house of God and there are many abiding places. And that's what was happening to these guys in 2 Kings here. They were not satisfied with the place they had come to. It was too straight for them. They wanted an, an, a greater place to abide in. They wanted their, their mansions to be extended. Their, their abiding places spiritually to be extended. Amen. 
Now, look what it says here. In Hebrews 7 and verse 3, in verse 3 it says of Hebrews 7, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made, that's talking about us, but made like unto the Son of God, in his image, abideth a priest continually. See, and that knowing is what? Is going to bring the stability. Amen. What does it mean to lay the axe to the root? It means to bring about a stability within our life. Wow. A stability. Melchizedek, listen, Melchizedek, and the reason I brought this out is Melchizedek means the power of an endless life. But listen, it also refers to, the first part of that speaks of the masculine principle and the last part, Melchizedek. Melchizedek is the feminine part, wow. the woman part. And it's the joining, Melchizedek, is the joining of the two together. Just like the word Israel, do you know that that term really is an Egyptian term? Most people don't know that. It's an Egyptian term. And when you break it down, the I-S-R-A-E-L means God, the power of God. But I-S means the feminine part. R-A is the masculine part. And when you bring the two together, you have E-L, the power of God. It's like every angel, Gabriel, Michael, Uriel. They all end with E-L, representing the power of God. So as we realize that our biological, genetical, religious, environmental roots are in Christ, then we can begin to experience this. Once we realize that our roots are not in our natural parents, God bless their hearts, we honor them, but my roots are in Christ today. They're not in my mother. If my mother had cancer, I gotta have it. They're not in my father. If he had heart disease, I have to have it. And you know, when you go to the doctor, that's the first thing they do, especially if it's a new doctor. They want to take down all your history of what your parents had, your grandparents had, and all of that stuff. Now, I understand they need that for what they do. I do understand that. But I'm just saying there's a greater reality to know that no mother, no father, we have one father, which is our heavenly spiritual father. And heavenly doesn't mean that he lives off yonder somewhere as some sky deity. Our heavenly father is talking about what needs to be between our ears. Yes. In our heavens yes. that will manifest outwardly within our walk and within yes. our life. Yes. One more scripture and I'm finished. Go to Jude, the book of Jude, the little book of Jude. And I want to read, to begin with, verse 3. And then we'll drop down to verses 12 and 13. Jude, verse 3. Jude, verse 3. Notice what it says here. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. How many know that in the scripture, salvation is termed in different ways? Eternal salvation, common salvation, and great salvation. You ever read that? But salvation is for today, folks. Amen. Today is the day. Yeah. And I shared with you, I believe it was last week. We have salvation in every aspect of our yeah. being. Yeah. First Thessalonians 5.23 in the Amplified says we've been sanctified through and through spirit, soul, and body. But I also shared with you, and I know a lot of people have trouble with this, but thank God that's beginning to change. And what I shared with you is if we are too afraid to talk about the energy fields in our body because we'll not experience salvation of our body subjectively, we have it objectively, but we'll not walk in it subjectively unless the chrism of the Christ, the oil, I think Lynn Bennett was talking about the menorah today, yeah. and he talked about the oil they put in to burn the yeah. seven, seven lampstands on the menorah, and he was applying it to the energy fields in the physical body, it's an oil. See, because we're not only anointed in spirit and soul in our feminine part, we must have the anointing flowing in our bodies, and that's connected with the seven energy fields, the pineal and the pituitary. And we can experience in the lovely here and now the land flowing with milk and honey. But when they're blocked, when the energy fields are blocked and the energy in the oil is not flowing, you're susceptible to disease, all kinds of diseases. So... 
Can you see how that fits together? If we want to experience salvation in our physical body, we have to take an interest in this. Yes. God didn't give us one organ of our body or one part of our body that doesn't have a purpose and a very vital purpose. We were fearfully and wonderfully and gloriously made. And as I said before, you take out one organ, another organ's got to make up the work that that yes. organ did. In many cases. In many cases. So I don't know how I got off on that. But anyhow, Jude, <laughs> verse 3, look what it says. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common. Oh, that's where I got off. Common salvation, eternal salvation, great salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now let me ask the question. What, what, as it says here, was the faith that was once delivered to the saints? It was all man's salvation. Amen. It was not penal substitution. Right. It was original blessing. It was not original sin. Yep. It was not that God needed blood to be appeased. They didn't teach any of that. The early church fathers taught none of that. They never taught that someone's going to be in hell if they don't do the right thing for eternity. They're going to be scorched and torched forever and ever and ever and ever. They never taught that gospel. So we want to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And I've done a lot of studying on the, the, the forefathers and, and the ancients and what they believed and what they taught. In fact, in Jeremiah, I think it's chapter 7, he said, I never spoke to the forefathers about killing animals right. and sacrifice. I never said that. That was Moses' idea. Yeah. And John chapter 1, around verse 17 and 18, says that grace came by Jesus Christ, but the law came by Moses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Moses came up with that stuff. God was never in. Someone said, well, you know, when Adam and the woman fell, he killed an animal and he clothed them, so they'd feel better about themselves. No, he didn't. He made tunics. And some people say he clothed them with their skin. So that's kind of been the ballpark, too. <laughs> Not going to throw that out. That they may be right about that. Amen. Now, in Jude, jump on down to verses 12 and 13, and it describes what the people experience when they do not earnestly contend for the faith once delivered right. to the saints, or those who do not lay the axe to the root, and experience this spiritual stability. Verses 12 and 13. Notice what it says. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, listen to this, clouds they are without water. Yep. Yep. Carried about of winds, every wind of doctrine. Right. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Yep. Verse 13, raging waves of the sea, Foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now, forever should not be there. It's really talking about the end of an age. And we're going to do a message on that shortly, too, because I firmly believe, and this is something that was revealed to me recently, that, you know, the church talks about the second coming of the Lord. Well, you won't find any second coming of the Lord. You'll see that he comes a second time without sin unto salvation, but no second coming of the Lord. But I believe the second coming of the Lord is the age of Aquarius. Amen. The age of Aquarius is, the, if you want to call it, the second coming of the Lord. Amen. Enlightenment. Amen. The light bulb is turned on. Amen. That's the coming of the Lord, folks. Amen. It's a coming in a people. It's a epiphany. It's an outshining. It's a perusia. It's a, the presence of him and a people and as a people. Amen. It's the, the apocalypse. It's the unveiling of Christ. Listen, we're being unveiled and Christ is being seen as never before. Amen. Amen. Now, so what it says here, these that have not laid the axe to the root of the left-sided thinking, have not given their time, have not yielded the left side. Notice there are two in heaven and two on earth. The two in heaven here are clouds and stars, and the two on earth are earth and trees and, and earth and trees. The two on earth are trees and waves, if I can get it out. Hmm. Now, clouds without water and wandering stars, trees plucked up by the roots and the raging waves of the sea, are those who will not contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. Amen. Amen. That's right. But those who will contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, their clouds full of life-giving substance. Amen. How many know he's coming in clouds? Yep. 
And how many know the clouds are people? Yep. Clouds are people. Yep. So those who contend for the faith once delivered to the saints who do study and find out that what we've been taught in religiosity is not 100% right. Yep. If we can study it out for ourselves and, and especially turn within to the key of knowledge and hear from spirit, then we become clouds that are full of water, Amen. full of life-giving substance. Yep. We become clouds with water. We become trees that are full of sap because the axe was laid to the root. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we become, we are depicted as these trees. Now, I shared before when I ministered this, how that we want to be clouds with water, mm -hmm. stars that are in divine order, yep. trees with fruit, <laughs> and waves of glory. Amen. That's what we want to be, Amen. experientially, yes. subjectively. Now, there are different types of trees. And let me give you about ten different types of trees. And we can relate to all of them. First of all, there are palm trees. And palm trees depict maturity. It means to be erect, secure. Why? Because their roots are so deep. And a storm, a hurricane can come, and those palm trees many times will just stand. Because their roots go deep. There are fig trees. And fig trees depict 100-fold fruit. Fruit that remains. Fir trees point to flexibility. Are we flexible? And listen, we can either be flexible or not flexible where the truth is concerned. Yeah. You know, if we want to hold to our old religiosity, our old teaching that we received 30, 30 40, 50 years ago, well, then we're not flexible. Fir trees are flexible. Mm -hmm. Cedar trees infer tenacity. Takes a little tenacity, folks. Spiritual tenacity. Wow. Almond trees mean alert and awake. Means to hasten as opposed to being slow. Wow. I don't want to be slow spiritually nope. or mentally. Nope. Nope. Right? Green trees denote prosperous, flourishing. Are we flourishing? Shady trees mean to be slender. See, we can get so fat with the word and we'll continue to put our weight in that sense if we don't share it with people. Come on, Kate. Wow. See, we, we become Amen. lean spiritually when we'll take, well, you know, you can wow. get so fat with the word if you don't share it with anyone. Yep. Right. This is given to us to share. Amen. Then there are thick trees that infer firm and stable, which wow. is one of the meanings of root. Then there are box trees, which mean erect, and they are a species of the cedar. And, of course, cedar speaks of everlasting life. And there's pine trees that are also connected to cedar and denote enduring or everlasting life. Wow. So all of this that I brought you tonight, I'm finished, I've taken out of what John the Baptist said to the Sadducees and the Pharisees that came and wanted to be baptized. Amen. What did he do? He set a priority. He set a priority and he said what you need to do is you need to draw from the right side. You need to draw from the realm of spirit, your thoughts from the realm of spirit, and go and continually draw from the realm of spirit to the point to where you even dig out the roots of what you formerly believed. So what I believe John was saying here allegorically, I don't believe he was throwing water baptism out the window. And I quoted to you Hebrews chapter 6 where we're to leave the principles and doctrines of Christ and go on to perfection or maturity and one of them is baptisms. But I believe that John, I believe that is an allegorical reality of where you and I are at right now. Wow. Allegorical reality of where you and I are at right now. If we want to be stable, if we want to experience subjectively all that we already have and are, then we have to repent. Bring forth fruit unto repentance by drawing our thoughts from the Christ mind of the realm of spirit and make so you go deep enough to dig out the roots of what Amen. you formerly believed. Amen. And I believe that's what John the Baptist was really getting at here by telling them, because that's what he was telling them. They wanted to be water baptized. He said, no, you gotta, you got to do this. You've got to take those the earth, baptize it into the water, just like Noah, the flood of Noah, baptize it into the water, Don't center up on getting some works, some doing in the energy of the flesh, right. but center up on bringing the right side 
to bear up on the left side Amen. and subjectively joining the two together. Amen. And it takes the giving of the tithe. Yeah. It takes the, the yielding of those thoughts when they tempt us. And Jesus experienced that. He experienced that when he was in the wilderness and he was tempted. He experienced that. I was telling someone today that, you know, Jesus said, Jesus was always yielding his left side, always. When he would say, I don't do anything but what I see the Father do. I don't say anything but what I hear the Father say. What was that? He was yielding the left side yeah. to the right, yeah. to that Christ awareness, to, yeah. to the Father. Yeah. He said, I can do nothing on my own. Right. And neither can we in and of ourselves. Right. Right. But yet, through Christ, I can do all things. Through right. Christ, yeah. through drawing from the cross. Amen. Amen. Father, we just Amen. thank you. Yes. Thank you for your love. Yes. Thank you for your grace. Amen. For who you are as us. Yeah. Thank you for spirit that you have placed within us. Amen. That's really always been there. Yeah. That is quickening, conceiving the word within Hallelujah. us. Thank you. That we can experience and walk in this awesome word Amen. Amen. that you're bringing into us. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your love. Yes. Thank you for this people. Thank you for your grace. Amen. Amen. Amen.